Hey there, how's it heaven? David O'Gray here. I'm going to have a quick talk with you today about what I find to be one of the most disturbing abuses that occurs in the liturgy, and that is what I call now or later communion. Now or later communion. Now or later communion is when a person comes up to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the Holy Eucharist, in their hand, and they do not consume him at the point of reception. Rather, they consume him not now, but at a later point. So they believe that, oh, the Holy Eucharist, I can receive it now, I can consume it now, or I can consume it later, later, meaning on the walk away as they're walking away, consuming it, maybe doing just a courtesy sign on the cross, or perhaps later, meaning at their pew, or even later at their home. Now, we're not talking about receiving the Holy Eucharist in the pics and taking it home to a sick person, no. We're talking about at the Mass. Receiving the Holy Eucharist in your hand, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and not consuming it there at the altar, brother, not now, but at a later point. This is now or later communion. So I don't want to talk about that. I want to give you the five reasons why this is always sacrilegious. By sacrilegious, other synonyms of this word would be irreverent, impious, profane, sinful. It's always sacrilegious to receive, to consume the Holy Eucharist, not now, but at a later point. We're going to talk about why that is in this talk. And I'm going to give a word of encouragement. This isn't going to be harsh for me because I understand Catholics today are not instructed. We don't receive catechesis from our priest, hardly, even if you're a convert. You hadn't heard this in your OCIA, RCIA classes about how to receive Holy Communion properly. I understand that. I understand since post-Vatican II and the Novus Ordo rite that receiving everything has become quite casual. Everything has been become quite casual. How we speak about the liturgy, how we dress at the liturgy of the Mass, how we receive Holy Communion in our hand. Of course, the ordinary form of receiving Holy Communion is kneeling and on the tongue. But since after Vatican II, many dioceses across the world have accepted the allowance, the dispensation from the Holy See to allow the faithful to receive on the hand. Okay. So gradually over time, because receiving things in a hand is uh, always a casual activity, it's always transactional. This is our understanding from the world that handwork, you know, doing something, saying something against something in exchange in a hand is casual, whether it's goods, whether it's money, whether it's all types of services, things that we do with our hands in the world, our hand gestures, everything is just quite casual with our hands. We don't understand the meaning and purpose of hands. We don't understand the the uniqueness and the singularity of the priest's hands being consecrated. So, So a lot of casualness 
has crept into the liturgy over time. I understand that. So we're not going to be um, harsh in this talk, being judgmental about people. I understand. Okay, we haven't had proper catechesis concerning these things. And this talk is not really the time here or the place here to talk about how to receive Holy Communion either. I think there's a wonderful talk here at St. Dominic's Media about how to receive Holy Communion properly is from Father Hellnall. And I think it's a wonderful video. I'll link it to this video and put it in the description box below for that. Perhaps we can even refer to COVID. So we can say that, or the COVID reaction, COVID-19 reaction, we can say that, yes, post-Vatican II, the Mass has been, we've treated it rather casual. Again, how we dress, our disposition during the Mass, receiving our King in our hand, all these things, um, it has moved us away from really pursuing excellence and holiness during the liturgy and letting the liturgy really form us how to be reverent. Rather, we brought a lot of casualness into the liturgy. But I would say that the COVID-19 reaction, because it's, you know, a lot of abuse has crept in because we were trying to figure out a way to make it happen. Right? Because of the reaction, um, we started doing some very strange things in the liturgy to make it happen. Okay, And so two or three years of that, now we see some really strange things that have remained with the liturgy. And I think the now or later communion is one of them. Okay. I'd like to push back against some people who may be wanting to make a comment right now in this video saying, oh, we just need to return to tradition. We need to just return to the traditional Latin mass. And this wouldn't happen. I find that to be a rather sophistic response to everything. Ah, we just need to return to some time in the past and that will fix everything. I think one of the biggest things that misses is, again, the things that have crept into our Catholic culture cannot just be erased. They're here and they're going to be here for a long time until we just get back to some basics. The liturgical rite really doesn't matter. You can put any liturgical rite into the church today in the West. It can be Byzantine. It can be Ambrosian. It can be the Dominican Missa Cantata. It can be any liturgical rite. And there's still, there's still going to be abuses because we're sick people right now. We, we're, we have a great disinterest in pursuing excellence. A great disinterest in pursuing liturgical excellence or holiness. Right? We could talk about the reasons why this is, why we have so many priests that aren't really pursuing liturgical excellence, but rather casual. We can name a list of things that shouldn't be going on in the liturgy that are because we, we're not pursuing excellence. Okay. But just returning to tradition is, uh, I think, a really lazy response. Because you give Joe Father, uh, Father Job six-pack, the traditional Latin Mass, and 
it would be like many priests 60 years ago with the traditional Latin Mass. The, that priest was um, becoming quite casual, becoming quite irreverent with the liturgy. Father Joe Sixpack will, everything that he is now, how he's not pursuing spiritual excellence and liturgical excellence, he'll do that with the traditional Latin Mass as well because... Again, we're sick. We're not, we're not well enough to really take the liturgy seriously. So this is why Father Joe Sixpack, he'll, he's facing us. He sees all the liturgical abuses going on, whether it's, you know, now or later communion, whether it's people clapping, holding hands, doing the Our Father, doing the Oran's posture, doing the Our Father, uh, just a lot of casual activity. And the reason why he doesn't take the time to correct it is because he's not interested in spiritual liturgical excellence. Again, we could talk about why that is. I think one of the best comments I could probably make in relation to that before I get to some of um, the five things I want to say. And I, I really don't have anything written down here. This is just... I'm. These are just some things in my head that I'm, I'm flushing out here. And I hope that it's coherent enough for you because this is an important issue. But one of the things, just to wrapping the whole preface up on this subject, we can say that back in the 1980s, there was a theory that came out. It was called the Broken Windows Theory. It was written by... The theory, there were some social scientists. One was named, his name was James Q. Wilson and George L. Keeling. Yeah. Um, that came out in a 1982 article called The Broken Windows Theory. But it was really became notable or famous or um, something that everyone began talking about in the 1990s with in New York City with the mayor was Rudy Giuliani. And um, and they adopted the broken windows theory when it came to policing. And they thought that if they pursue minor crimes, minor crimes such as broken windows, um, vandalism, uh, graffiti, jaywalking, fare evasion, people like jumping over turnstiles going on the subway, that if they pursue the minor crimes, that they it will take care of the bigger crimes. So the broken windows theory say, hey, you have to figure out who broke the window. Because if they get away breaking a window, they'll break into a car next and then a house. Okay, so smaller things lead, lead to bigger things. So you have to take care of the small things first. Not only does that stop them from becoming bigger things, but by fixing the small things, it makes... Um, the things that are more important than those seem more important. Oh, if that's important, this really small thing, oh, this really big thing must be very important. That's the broken windows theory. Okay. So what's happened in the mass with this casualness, with this lack of interest in pursuing spiritual liturgical excellence, is that we have not policed the small things. The Oran's posture, the holding hands during the Our Father, the now or later communion, the clapping at Mass. Um, the, the list goes on and on. The type of music that's going on at Mass, the 
father not saying the black or doing the red at times, kind of just inserting himself into the liturgy. Because we haven't policed the small things, as small as how we dress, the way we kneel before we go into our pew, our traditions, a good strong sign of the cross, um, um, kneeling, um, bowing during the creed when we speak of the the incarnation of Christ Jesus through the Blessed Mother Mary. The smaller things, because we haven't really um, policed those and really instructed the faithful that these things are serious, well, these abuses have crept in. And so the smaller things, the casualness with the smaller things led to a casualness about the bigger things. So we have to, the broken windows theory has a place in liturgical abuse. Now, having offered that preface, I'd like to get into the five reasons why that this is always sacrilegious and again, offer a word of encouragement to those who may have fallen into this error. Now, the first thing I want you to understand is that everything during the liturgy is ordered to the altar, the altar of sacrifice. Why is that? Because the altar sacrifice in the Catholic Mass during the Catholic, in the Catholic liturgy is the most unique, the most singular place there is in the entire universe. It's the only place in the universe where the sacrifice of Jesus Christ takes place in memorial of him. So, being that it is singular, being that it is extraordinary, being that it is unique, everything in the liturgy is um, processes to is ordered to the altar because everything in the universe is ordered to God himself. So, so it is also the case in a liturgy. You can compare and contrast this with other religions. For example, you can look at Protestantism and what they call a church service. And at the center of their space is not a, an altar, is not Jesus Christ himself, is not his altar of sacrifice, is not Calvary, so to speak, but it's rather a man, a preacher, uh, doing a sermon. Okay, so everything is ordered towards him. So in Protestantism, man is the center of the universe, and their religion acts as such. Not the case in Catholicism, it's Jesus Christ, the altar, it's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which the whole universe gathers around, that angels descend upon, okay? So, when we look at the liturgy, we see all the movements, whether it's the altar servers, whether it's the priests, whether it's the opening procession. The procession of gifts, the, the procession towards Holy Communion. Um, uh, our call and response, the words in which we, we say in response to the priests in persona Christi, the, the way that we face, okay, in the older liturgical rites, the way that the priest himself face, everything is ordered to the altar of sacrifice, okay. So what does that mean about Holy Communion and why that's sacrilegious? Well, now or later communion, it is in opposition to that or it invades against this basic principle of the mass that the, that everything is moving towards Calvary. Okay. Because 
the person who believes in annihilated communion is saying that, no, I'm not going to receive communion now here at the altar of sacrifice, but I'll process away and receive it on the walk away, or I'll receive it away from the altar at my pew or at home. This idea of annihilated communion is really antithetical to what the liturgy is trying to teach us in a pedagogical and a repetitious way. That our entire life is a procession to Calvary. Throughout the day, all of us are on our way to somewhere, on our way to work, on our way home, on our way to the grocery store, on our way to pick up the kids. We're always processing somewhere, even in our mind. Our mind is in a constant procession. It's always moving. It's always on the way to think about the next thing. What the liturgy is trying to teach us is no. You are not processing where you think you were you want to go, but rather you're processing where God has called you to. He's called you to communion with him. Okay. So in, in our in our life, if we're living a liturgical life, if the, we have been properly formed by the liturgy, then we've made our life as a type of procession that wherever we're headed, in our mind, this is uh, where we we've understand that though I may be heading to the grocery store, I, who am just a slave to Christ, this is what I'm engaged in, is a labor for Christ. That everything that I do, whether it's work, uh, whether it may be recreation, that is always somehow orientating me to Christ. That I'm always, in a way, whatever I'm doing, I'm facing Calvary, therefore I sin less. Um. So now later communion, the idea that I can receive communion um, away from Christ, not orientating myself to him, not right there at the altar, it really misses the point. And the second note that I wrote down here that I want to talk about, the second reason why now later communion is always sacrilegious, I'm going to say because our hands are not worthy. Okay. Again. This idea of receiving communion in a hand, it's it's a practice that has been with the church for, you know, centuries. Okay, I'm not going to spend time commenting on that. But even when this was a practice in the very early Catholic, Catholic church, we have to admit that there is so much care and attention towards how we could receive our king in our hand that even at that time, people understand that, oh, even though I can receive him in my hand, that this is serious business. This is not casual because there, there was so much precision and care and, and even in that process, not how it is today. Right? Now today is kind of, you know, it looks, it looks very transactional, you know. At the altar, it looks like people are receiving tickets in their hands. It, it looks very, not such the case hundreds of years ago. But to my point about our hands not being worthy, what what I want to point out about now later communion is that, well, I guess I suppose I want to ask a question: Where where are you going? Where are you taking Jesus to? What makes you think that you're worthy enough to, or your hands are worthy enough to just carry Jesus away? 
If we look into the Old Testament with Uzzah, who was not a Levite, he's not a priest, but he was there transporting the Ark of the Covenant. And for some reason, it is being transported not by on the shoulders of men, but on a donkey. You know, he thought this was a good idea. And the Ark of the Covenant, which is the holy, holiest thing, you know, covenant because it contained the the law, um, the pot of man, and the word of God, and Aaron's rod that budded, a type of Holy Spirit. So it's like the holiest thing on earth before Mary, which the Blessed Mother Mary is also the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Ark of the Covenant, um, when they're carrying, you know, Uzzah and someone else is carrying it on mules, it stumbled. And Uzzah reaches out and he touches the Ark of the Covenant to steady it so it doesn't fall. And God struck him down that day. And the scriptures say that David, from that day on, he was fearful of the Lord because he struck down Uzzah for touching the Ark. Well, he couldn't. He, he, he was not worthy. That was not his calling. He was not a priest. So what makes us think that, well, the priest's hands are consecrated. Sure, the church has allowed these things, what we call Eucharistic ministers, them to also, by proxy of the priest, to um, um, distribute the body and uh, blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. But us who are not even the priest or even the Eucharistic minister, what makes us think that we're worthy to carry God somewhere else. Where are we taking him? <clears throat> what what place do we think is more worthy than right there at the altar? Okay. So that's that's less of a, a statement than it is just a question for us to really think about. A catechetical question. Where are you taking him? And the third point I I'm going to make concerning why now related communion is so sacrilegious and needs to be avoided is that it's not in our hands that the whole universe is, it's not the place where it's called to be. Rather, it is for consumption, is for chewing, is for our body. The whole universe has properties that are not for our hand. The Holy Eucharist is truly transformative. It's healing, healing for the mind, the body, and the soul. It unites us with God uniquely, not our hand, but our body, our entire body. So the proper place is not the hand, but in the body. It's for consumption. So we want to consume the Holy Eucharist when we receive it as soon as possible. We want it to be what I would call in place. So you can be out of place in this life. You can be what I call out of place in the circle of grace. So you can be outside the circle of grace. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so the Holy Eucharist in our hand is out of place, meaning that's not where it's supposed to be. It's kind of like looking at a, uh, a giraffe in a zoo. It looks interesting there it looks elegant but in a way you feel bad because you know that's not a natural environment you know that it would be happier if it was somewhere else somewhere in some jungle or something like that same with the holy eucharist the hand is not its proper place it's for the body and we want to get there as soon as possible because it heals us that 
one one of the uh, you know I talk about this in my my lecture series on the theology of the Catholic Mass, my introduction to that series, and also my book, The Divine Symphony. I, I talk about the Holy Eucharist is singular and unique in like six different ways. One of those ways is that if we look at the Holy Eucharist, that <clears throat> that God has taken a dead thing and making it made it a living thing, which means He took bread, which is dead. It's not living. It's no longer living wheat or um, running water, the thing, whatever you make, you know, unleavened bread with, or wine. It's not living grapes anymore. Okay, so these are dead things. They're not living. But at the words of consecration, what was dead comes to life. It becomes living bread, living true blood, living flesh. Okay. And it, in, in, in that way, the Holy Eucharist reminds us of what God is doing with us. He's taking something that is truly dead in sin and making it alive. That process, that transubstantiation that occurs with us, it cannot, the process does not, it's not here in the hand, it's in the body. So there's so many a host of other ways I can really try to reinforce this point, which perhaps is, I think, maybe the most important of the five, perhaps, is that we want to consume the Holy Eucharist immediately at the point of reception because we want to get Jesus Christ in us uniquely as fast as possible. So that's now, not later. The fourth point that I have here is I, I want to talk about how now later communion can be harmful for Jesus. And uh, I'm, again, I'm referring to it being sacrilegious. What can happen on the walk away? Or are you going back to your pew or taking Jesus home? You know, there's a question that people ask. What can go wrong? That question is better asked when it's not just rhetorical. When people say, oh, what's well, the worst thing that can happen? Well, let's answer this question. What can happen with now a later communion? What's the worst thing that can happen? Perhaps you can trip and fall. And Jesus is going to fall on the ground. Um, perhaps Jesus can get stolen. There's people at the Mass who have nefarious intentions and and they're not even interested in now or later communion. They just want to take the communion, maybe do a black mass, do something else sacrilegious with it. Perhaps they can steal it from you. Sacrilegious because Jesus is in your hand, which is not the proper place, and you're just holding him there, taking him back, maybe back to your pew or taking him home. And now you have so many particles in your hand. What are you going to do with those particles? Are you going to lick them? Uh, are you going to do something sacrilegious? Something like that? Or I, I don't know. It's, but it's, it's harmful. It's irreverent. It's sacrilegious to treat Jesus that way. He's in your hands that are not consecrated. He's out of place. 
Where are you taking him? What? Away from the altar? And there's a host of things that can go wrong. You can lose him. Where you want to take him home? You, you could lose him in your car anywhere. So it's, it's not worth it. Okay, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that one because I think the, the point is probably easily, easily made. But the last point I want to get to is now or later communion, it can scandalize others. Okay, so you may be wondering, okay, well, who may notice that I'm engaged in now their communion, right? Why are people looking at me? Why are people watching? Who is this Holy Eucharist police? Okay. Um, there are people at every Mass who are pursuing spiritual excellence, who are pursuing holiness. Typically, these are the people who do receive communion kneeling and on the tongue. And because they are pursuing spiritual excellence, they, they, they are aware of people who are casual. Okay. So we, we, we may be critical of them and say, oh, how, how come they're watching others? How come they're not, they don't have their eyes on the, the crucifix or had their eyes closed praying? Perhaps those are fair questions. Okay. But they're questions that really miss the point. The point is that now later communion has the potential to scandalize others because they see you come up and they see you do not consume our Lord, our King at the point of reception, but take him away where I don't know. And, and they're concerned about Jesus Christ. They're offended. They're scandalized. They're worried for Christ and for you. They don't know what you're doing. So, now later communion is always sacrilegious and potentially scandalous in that regard. And so, we should avoid these situations where we um, scandalize others and cause them um, anxiety and concern. Um, receiving communion, you know, it shouldn't be a... a an occasion for sin. Okay, it should never be that. So those are my five reasons why now or later communion is always sacrilegious. And some helpful guide about how you might treat those situations like that where you see that happening. Maybe point out these five reasons, but always engage in, in charity. And uh, understand that these people oftentimes are, are not here they're not there, uh, not doing this, the now later communion for nefarious reasons. Everyone's not there to still hold Holy Eucharist for the Black Mass. Some are, right? So we should always engage it. Um, I, I would say lean in charitably um, with, with, you know, thinking these people may have the best intentions, but always, always engage, always be ready to offer a reason why we believe that the Holy Eucharist and church teaches should be received at the point of reception okay and this is just one of many liturgical abuses that happen at the mass because we just aren't pursuing spiritual excellence we don't pursue liturgical excellence okay so but i hope this this talk was helpful and i hope it was encouraging and 
Blessings and peace to you and to yours, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening.